Welcome to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. And for those of you that don't know, or if we've got any new listeners, each week we take a topic that we know next to nothing about, and we give ourselves just the week to read and research all about it. The idea being that we do the hard work, and then we share the most important pieces of information with you guys, our listeners. Yes, that is exactly what we do. And just so everybody knows who's listening, we are not experts in anything that we talk about. This is just a summary of our findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you, we can all learn a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Exactly. Right. This week, Ollie, this was your choice, uh, as we tend to end our series with. Last week was my choice, Volcanoes, but this is your choice. And this week's episode is all about diplomatic immunity. Right, well, you're going to have to go first then. Diplomatic immunity this week. We always start by saying what we know or did not know. What did you know about diplomatic immunity? Why did you choose this? <laughs> yeah, I'm not entirely sure why I chose it. It's two words that you, you can hear in the news or you see, you know, it's in films or in books, don't you, that diplomatic immunity comes up. But what actually is it? I didn't really know too much about it. I thought, I'm going to start looking into this. And I thought, hang on, no, we've got to do Ollie's Choice on the pod next week i'm gonna have uh, get liam to look into this too and figure out what it's all about but no, i knew very little just that the two words always seem to go together how about yourself well i reckon i knew a bit about it i've said before i read a lot of i do, do a lot of reading um i read a lot of like spy novels you know we've got our main man matthew dunn the ex-intelligence officer uh who we've actually interviewed in a previous episode uh he's got the spy catcher series of books which are ace if you've not read them but I'm sure this comes up in some of them, comes up in all kinds of books like that. So, uh, I mean, I I knew parts of what this was, but there's bits I certainly did not. And uh, I don't know, as it comes up, maybe I mentioned, I, yeah, I knew that and uh, I'll let you know, but it was really interesting to learn about. Nice. Now that's good. Let's jump straight in then and start. Shall I give you the, the definition of what I came up with about just to summarise what diplomatic immunity actually is? Go for it. See if we can get this out in less than 10 sentences. (laughs) So for those who are wondering, diplomatic immunity is the principle of international law by which certain foreign government officials are not subject to the jurisdiction of local courts and other authorities for both their official and to a large extent their personal lives. So I've said quite a lot of words there. What does that actually mean? If you were to break that down, what does it mean? Well, what does the word diplomat mean? There's loads of words in that, that if you're not really sure what we're talking about, you're not even going to understand what we're... (laughs) We haven't made it any easier. (laughs) What's a foreign official? What does that even mean? (laughs) So I suppose in in a real nutshell, it's saying that, that people who are an official government business located in another country a large extent they're they're not governed by the same laws of that country that they're in yeah 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 so a diplomat if we just take a step back that a diplomat where the word diplomatic a diplomat is defined as being an official representing a a country abroad so they they are you know they'll be in another country uh that their job is to um you know, they sort of grease the wheels of politics, I guess, don't they? Because, yeah. you know, 
it, it's all to do with international relations. So they're in another country just trying to trying to chat with other diplomats or other government officials about laws and whatever trade and politics um, and trying to keep all of that smooth. Yeah, that's um, exactly you know, it. And they're all over the world. You know, we live in England. There will be British, English diplomats in most countries in the world, won't there? Doing yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, what was Boris Johnson's work? And then, so we've got so we've got what diplomats are, and there are different levels to diplomats as well. These yeah. people who are basically doing governmental work in other countries. So you've got secretaries, councillors, ministers, ambassadors. That's probably something you know. Ambassadors is heard, or envoys. You sometimes hear that that people are are like trade envoys, um, or there's there's a, another word for them is chargé d'affaires, is oh, the uh, is is a fancy yeah. word. So yeah, there there are different levels of these diplomats, but these these ambassadors, they then they tend to then live and work as part of an embassy, don't they? Yeah. So an embassy is the residence. Of, of where all of these officials in a foreign country live. So, you know, if, if we had a bunch of British diplomats in Italy, they would be in the British embassy, which is would be a building somewhere in Italy, typically the capital city. And then the embassy would be the name of that building. So they're all basically, you know, they, they'd have their own place to live. Uh, but So, yeah, you were saying that's in the capital. You sometimes hear another word about a consulate as well. What's the difference there? A consulate is like a branch office of an embassy. So you've got we've got our our main diplomats and the ambassador, who's who's like the number one guy who's in charge of everything. Um, they'd be in the capital city, but then out in some of the other major cities, there'd be like these little sort of branch offices of the embassy just yeah. to um, yeah, help out with stuff you know typically like visas and expats and that sort of you know when they they've got problems they need to speak to the british government but they're in another country they might go to a consulate yeah but you know then if they wanted to ramp it up they'd go to the embassy which would be in the capital city the embassy would be full of diplomats the head of those diplomats would be the ambassador so he's like the most senior diplomat in in another country yep that makes sense and there's you sort of touched on it earlier saying there are loads of embassies aren't there around the world and just i know like some of the the numbers is it there's there's almost like a league table of how many embassies different countries have isn't there yeah usa china have got the most you know they're 160 100 might be 170 by now but you know so we're talking like these embassies will be in the capital cities now if america have got north of 160 170 you know they're in most countries they they have an embassy in most of the countries in the world Likewise, China, France as well. Russia have got 140 plus. Japan have got 140 plus. They're the, probably the biggest five um, countries. But yeah, as far as embassies go. But yeah, you know, these embassies are in the capital city. So so America, for example, has maybe like 170 embassies. So 170 buildings around the world in 170 different capital cities full of diplomats and one ambassador whose job it is just to like, work on their international relations essentially in country instead of yeah. you know, over the phone or via email or letter or whatever they do it like face to face yeah yeah that, that that makes sense so okay cool so we 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 had the the, the sort of long-winded official definition of it where it, it's it's basically in a nutshell saying that somebody can have diplomatic immunity they're sort of exempt from the international law 
they get granted extensive legal protection or privileges um, of the place that they're working. And I, I suppose in a, in a super short way of putting it, it's by getting a diplomatic immunity, it's a get out of jail free card, isn't it? For, for many, many things. Yeah, nearly most things though, isn't it? It's like, yeah, so, so they, they can't go to, they, they can't be arrested for like anything <laughs> in the country. So if I'm if I'm a diplomat of, of England and I'm in our embassy in South Africa and I commit a crime because I'm a diplomat, I've got what is called diplomatic immunity. I have a diplomatic passport. If I commit a crime in South Africa and it can be like a, it could be murder or it could be parking fines like they can't they, they can't charge me. <laughs> yeah, which is unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. So there's that that's sort of it sort of summed up what diplomatic community is, the types of people that get afforded this. But I was really interested about so how did this all come about? How have we got into a situation where people can get away with, you know, low level or high level crimes without any consequences? And I thought it was quite interesting looking at where it originally came from. It came from where everything seems to come from. <laughs> the Romans or the Greeks <laughs> or the Egyptians. <laughs> Basically all of them, everybody. It, it's from, like, in the past, there was no internet and there were no phones and you couldn't even write a letter. The only way to get messages to and from anywhere was to send somebody, right? You send a messenger. Yes. Like, you know, yes. that, that phrase, don't shoot the messenger. You have to send a messenger. So... Over time, as countries were sort of communicating with each other, they realised they needed to keep those messengers safe because otherwise the message never got back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like, what's the point? And then like you kill ours, then we'll kill yours, and then nothing ever happens. So yes. it sort of came out of that. They were like, right, they just made sort of almost unwritten rules that the messenger is safe, yes. has safe passage, cannot be prosecuted, nothing can happen to them, and when they, you know, they are representing us, so you don't touch them, and we won't touch yours. And it's yeah. just from there, right? Yeah, exactly. And even even in Greek times, so they were you would have these these diplomatic envoys, these people who would go between cities and parts of of Greece, and they'd have these special powers where they wouldn't get hurt or they'd be protected. But the Greeks, they believed that they were being protected as well by Hermes, which if you listen back to our Greek mythology episode you'll know that he was the the, the Greek god of messages and travel and yeah. so it was seen that if somebody living in Greece if you then were to attack one of these diplomats or envoys you would then be dishonoring the Greek god Hermes as well so it'd almost be like a religious blasphemous thing um, yeah. but if you were to then to then go against this this ruling of letting people have safe passage so that that's where it came from and yeah, it sort um, of just grew over time didn't it with with more and more civilizations yeah it started lots of wars though there, there were more than one war started by somebody killing a, a, like a messenger um, <laughs> yeah i don't know if you've seen the film 300 that film about the spartans and yes. there's a scene in that where they boot someone down a well and like you know that's like an act of war um, that is an actual story uh, that I can't remember. It's to do with some like a Greeks again. They they sent their messenger to demand that a, a country surrendered, uh, and they had to show they surrendered by giving them water and fertile soil or something. And then they booted him down a well and said, "Right, you'll find water and soil down there." And then yeah. that was like, 
that's war a, started. But. It's a guaranteed way to to kick things off, isn't it? To to start wars, but it, it was a very dangerous job. So if we're going back to the ancient Greek times and Roman times, it's a super dangerous job. You're going into your your enemy's territory, and you're telling them, you know, more than likely bad news or demanding something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From from your king, um, it would have been at the time king or queen, and yeah, it's a super, super dangerous job. And that was why they then had to have some of these these unwritten rules put in place today. And what they would do is back then they would go and deliver the message and then they would leave almost straight away as well. Whereas today, as we were saying earlier, that you'll get people who are then stationed and then live in an em- live near an embassy within that country around the world now. So that's just something slightly different that's changed from how yeah. it originally started. And then um, sort of, I guess, fast forward a bit, you were telling me earlier in the week it's, it started in Italy, but it wasn't it wasn't Italy to France and Italy to Germany and Italy to Austria, was it? It was it was within Italy itself. Yeah, it was the, the way that we view like modern diplomatic communities started by the Italians in the Renaissance, which is about the 14th to 17th century after the Middle Ages, and this is where between different towns, so between Milan or Venice or even the Vatican, they would then start housing people they thought it was beneficial to then treat them to look after them to then have these people i don't know maybe that rule about keep your what is it keep your friends close but your enemies even closer yeah type approach that they were taking um and so that that then spread people then realized that well this was working between these big italian cities it then started to spread to the rest of europe and then just that whole process then spread globally yeah, if it works, if it works city to city, then it's good. Because remember, it's worked, you know, back then they didn't have phones. They still didn't have phones in the 1400s. <laughs> there were still no phones or letters or emails. Like, you're still, how did you communicate? <laughs> Even if it was like 300 miles, I'd, someone needs to walk that. <laughs> or ride horse a horse back, or maybe. Horseback, maybe, yeah. So, yeah, so it went Italy. And then obviously I realized it's working city to city. It's going to work country to country. Um, fast forward a bit more. You get to the 1960s, there's a very important. Um, document signed at the Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations uh, that essentially, in a nutshell, it just sums up what we see nowadays. You know, it's like a paper copy of what everybody does anyway. It's been signed by 187 countries at the minute. So nearly every country in the world. Obviously, we could probably guess the the dozen or so countries that are not part of it. uh, But generally, everybody agrees. Um, Everybody agrees as follows. A little quote from the uh, from this Vienna Convention. It agrees that members of the diplomatic staff and of administrative and technical staff and of the service staff of the mission should be granted immunity from the criminal jurisdiction of the receiving state. They are also granted immunity from civil lawsuits. Yeah. So, you know, we've every, every country signed up to that to say, you know, if you're a diplomatic agent, you're, you're basically, you're immune from just about everything. Except, <laughs> you know, you know, it's except like property. There's some like funny, uh, I didn't read too much into it, but it's like except something to do with property. But I don't know what it is. I think it might be buying property or something like that. Right. Uh, okay. That's like the only, one of the only exceptions in, in all of it. Well, that, that sounds like a nice, a nice segue into, so, so what does this cover? We've got this, yeah, 1961, during the 60s, this Vienna um, important document around the diplomatic community and the diplomatic community of, of how it works. So what what does it extend to? Well, it's not just the people, is it? 
No. It, that that's that is interesting. That is not something that I knew. You know, I knew, oh, I'm the ambassador of America in South Africa. I can bowl around and do what I want. But it isn't just the person. It, like we were saying about the embassies, they're covered, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. The embassy itself is covered. It's seen like a, a safe haven. So you might have seen like that in some films and what have you. The diplomats' vehicles are covered. The houses of yeah. the diplomats, the offices of the diplomats, the staff. The families. Yeah, the families, families and the staff in many cases. It, it extends, yeah. you know, quite wide-reaching this, this diplomatic community. And it's so it's almost saying that if this car that uh, Liam's now the ambassador, the British ambassador in, in Ghana, he's driving in this car. If they try to arrest him, it's like he is still on sovereign soil, he's still on British soil, even though he's in his car. That's yeah, that's what it's extending to. But even though you're in Ghana, isn't it? That's what it's saying. Yeah. 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 And the land. Yeah. If I'm um, if, I, if I'm in my embassy, my embassy is British soil, even if the embassy I'm standing in is in wherever, Vietnam, whatever. It doesn't matter. I just keep rattling off different countries. <laughs> Uh, it's yeah, it's British soil, which means I know the Vietnamese police have no jurisdiction. They cannot come in. If I there's a scene, I don't know if you've seen the Casino Royale, the, the James Bond film with Daniel Craig. At the start of that, there's a really yes. cool chase, and he's basically James Bond is chasing this guy, and it turns out this guy's trying to get to an embassy because he knows if he gets to the embassy, he's then on. I don't know, I don't know what country he's from, but whatever it is, James Bond's got no jurisdiction over him if he's in the in like on the soil of wherever his country is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, point. If, if I'm in my embassy, I'm on my own soil, so you can't come in. Well, a real-life example of that that's really famous was with the whole Julian Assange, who was the founder of WikiLeaks. And yeah. in 2012, he got granted diplomatic asylum, diplomatic immunity from the Ecuadorian embassy in London. And that lasted in 2019. And then... So it's that the, the people who granted that asylum can't get in trouble for doing it, even though London might view that as, as being unlawful by not handing over this person. They can't get in trouble for it. And because he's in the Ecuadorian embassy, it means that the, the Met police, the, the London police, can't go in and just storm the building and then drag him out and start charging him because they're unhappy with all of these, the WikiLeaks that he exposed. Yeah. Yeah, they they basically said they they granted him because they granted him Ecuadorian asylum. He basically becomes an Ecuadorian citizen, which means as soon as he gets onto the Ecuadorian embassy, he's now on home soil. So yeah, we couldn't go in and get him basically. Yeah, and there was some yeah. other nuts. yeah, it is nuts. There there was some other interesting elements to this that I was reading about in terms of you can have something called a diplomatic bag. Uh, and... You're saying your car is safe, but so is the stuff you're carrying. Yeah, yeah, it is. So a diplomatic bag can be anything just from a, a briefcase or a backpack right through to an entire crate or container. It's crazy. And all you have to do is be a diplomat, but then just label it, clearly label it, saying that this is a diplomatic bag so that it's clearly marked. And that means that it can't be searched. That means that no one can look in it. No one's, no states or anybody's got any authority to then search this. So if you were thinking, if you're at an airport and you've got a, a backpack or a briefcase or something, you just mark it as a diplomatic bag 
you don't need to go through airport security. It doesn't need to be searched. Wow. I think you'd probably have to prove you're a diplomat though, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, you would, but they're not allowed to look in your bag. So I suppose but, you, could, you could have a lighter and cigarettes in there, still take them yeah. on the plane. You'd get in trouble. Well, would you get trouble for using them? I don't know if they'd then prosecute you. So there are issues. There are, there are like, not issues, but certainly some dodgier countries, I think. Because like we were saying, it, it covers the diplomat staff. So if I was matey-matey with, with like a president somewhere, and he could make me a diplomat. He could tell me, I'll go out, you know, if I was his friend, I'll go to America and, and be my diplomat over there. Also, don't you need like 20 members of staff with you? You need like a chef and a, and a, I don't know, a waiter and somebody to wash your clothes. They can all be with, they're all your mates. So people can get diplomatic passports on the dodge and, and then just bowl into another country and they've all got these dodgy diplomatic passports and then do what they want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, which has certainly happened. <clears throat> so it's a bit crazy then. So you know, thinking about like, can people be arrested for this stuff? And it's for the most part, the people with diplomatic immunity they live in this sort of like weird lawlessness where they're able to to do things and to get away from things. And as we say, it came back to the the 1961 convention for the for diplomatic immunity, is that somebody potentially in a country could be arrested for something, but they can't actually be charged for the crime. And it's, as we were saying, theoretically, though they're still in that country, they're operating under their own country's laws. And it just means that law enforcement aren't able to charge them with something. I think you were looking into this a little bit, some of the rules in terms of the UK and Thames Valley Police. Well, yeah, yeah, Thames Valley Police put a thing out. There's a thing that, uh, like a document that they sent to their staff, I think, in 2018, diplomatic status. And it just, but it just says stuff like a person with immunity should only be arrested at a very last resort and only if they are a person of immediate danger to themselves. Um, diplomatic premises, like we were saying, the embassy must not be entered without the consent of the ambassador. Like, like you can't yeah you should only be arrested at the very last minute if you but otherwise no not really they can do something called so they can do something called persona non grata can't they yes so a country can do that so persona non grata literally translate as person not welcome so a country can can say right basically that <laughs> we don't want this guy in our country anymore we don't recognize we're going to stop recognizing his his diplomatic immunity we're going to stop recognizing anything to do with it he needs to leave yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if yeah, if 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 you were in another country and you did something really bad, they would then say, right, we don't want you here. You're persona non grata, and that's where you would then be forced almost to to leave the country and to get out yeah. of there. So there, there is, you know, we we sort of telling you all these things about, you know, might be giving you the impression that diplomats can basically do whatever they want without consequences, but. They, there are times where people, they become persona non grata, they get forced to go back to their own country. And the theory being is that they should then get tried for the crimes they committed in the foreign country, in their own country. But more often than not, the home country just turns the other way, just yeah, looks the other way and doesn't, doesn't actually follow through with anything. But they do, they do go the other way sometimes in that they like, the home country pulls the diplomatic immunity. 
So if, if I'm British and I'm in South America and I commit a heinous crime, I, the South American government cannot prosecute me. But the British government might say, actually, he does not have diplomatic community anymore. Have at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like a political relations thing, isn't it? Like sometimes I think some countries, you know, when it's really obvious that a crime's been committed, perhaps it's easier just to go, yeah, prosecute them. Like, yeah, massively. Send them back first. Massively. You know? I think we, we should probably point out that the the intention is that the people who get these very like, high position jobs where you get <laughs> diplomatic immunity, apparently are super, you know, well vetted. They're given clear guidelines about how they should behave. They're not expected to be breaking any laws because, as you were saying, when people then do start breaking the laws, it just raises political tensions. And it's yeah, it's almost saying, well, what if someone's done that in your country, so we're going to do this in our country. And it then, yeah. so you, you want to be getting somebody in like the ambassador or these high positions who isn't going to cause any trouble. It's just if they do... Turns out that there's not a lot that can happen. Can happen but to there are levels to the diplomatic community itself. The further away you get from the ambassador, like the lower ranking you are, the less things that are covered by your immunity. Yeah. So you know, as you're really high, you could do anything you want. But the lower you get, like the ambassador, his family are all covered, all of his dependents are covered. But the further away you get, and we were saying about some consulates, if you're off in these branch offices. Yes, you're a diplomat, but you're not a very high ranking one. So it might be that your family are not covered by any immunity or your dependents. Um, or so the ambassador is, is covered from civil cases. So he can't be tried for like rent. Like if he doesn't pay rent, yeah. he can't be sued. He can't pay taxes or car fines or those sorts of things. But if you're further away from it, you do have to. You know, there's yes. there's certain levels of this immunity like if you're further away, for example, in England, if you're further away and you commit a crime that would have a sentence of more than five years, you will be prosecuted. So if you did murder someone and the sentence was 20 years, you you do not have diplomatic community. They will charge you because you are not the ambassador. There is a, a little loophole there, though, isn't there, <laughs> that, that does get on happen. A plane. Yeah. Yeah, so so what people will do is they'll skedaddle. They'll they will get themselves out of the country quick, sharpish, and then get themselves back to their home country, which then means it's then down to that political standoff between the two countries of saying the the one where the crime is committed, saying can you extradite them because we need to try them, and the now home country saying no, you know what, we're not going to do that unless you do something for us. And so it just, yeah. yeah. If, if they Basically, create... what you mean, what you mean is can, you, can you send them back? Can you send that person back because they've they've killed someone and they've jumped on a plane? Can, we want to try them for murder. And then, you know, the home country gone, murder? What murder? I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. There, there is a very famous case about that in the UK. Well, I say famous from a few years back, which was, it's pretty damning, isn't it? This The story of a chap called Harry Dunn in 2019. Yeah, a, a, a woman by the name of Anne Sakoulis. Um, she was from America, wasn't she? And she was driving on the wrong side of the road and crashed into a guy called Harry Dunn on his motorbike. And um, she was on the wrong side of the road, crashed into him and killed him. Now, her husband was an intelligence agent. 
who had diplomatic immunity, which meant she also had diplomatic immunity as his, you know, family. Um, so could not be tried. So they they jumped the private jet and flew back to America. Well, yeah, and I, I everybody think... knows everybody knows that she's done it, but now it's like like you're saying the standoff, isn't it? Because she's yeah. immune. Yeah, yeah, completely. And she'll never be coming back here to to be getting tried for this. If she ever did, then she she automatically would. But it was yeah, that whole thing. Just she wasn't the government official. She was the wife of a US intelligence officer who then claimed diplomatic immunity based on that. And she skedaddled, got home super quick before she could be, could, could be properly arrested and, and tried for any of this. Um, there was some, some stories around Boris Johnson got involved. This is when he was the foreign secretary, wasn't it? And this is when Donald Trump was in power and they met and they spoke about it and it all got quite big, but nothing ever came of it. But it just all got yeah. sort of like swept under the carpet. He, he admitted, didn't he, in Parliament that diplomats had used their immunity to avoid stuff like child pornography and human trafficking. Like, so he's gone, yeah, like, yeah, that, that, that's happened. Like, yeah, pretty bad, isn't it? Like, but like you said, that, you know, this is probably really rare. Like, yes, you know, that, that this doesn't, that you don't just become an ambassador just so that you've got to do what you want. Uh, no. You go. <laughs> I was reading, there, there was one, there was a, another example in 1996 for a, a diplomat from Zaire, which is now the Democratic Republic of Congo. They were responsible for a deadly car crash in France. And after months of negotiations between the government of Zaire, they agreed to waive his immunity. And so he then had to return from Zaire to France to then face the French courts and uh, be tried for for the the murder, the the crash that he was responsible for, so that that must have been where we were saying got very political, and France yeah. obviously said, "You need to do this, otherwise we will, you know, stop providing you this or stop doing this some, yeah. somewhere else for you." Yeah, it's all well, you know, the whole thing, the whole point of diplomats is this international relations, isn't it? That's essentially yeah. what it's all about. That is what their job is, just to like we we were saying before, like when Joe Biden meets Boris Johnson or whatever. There's been a bajillion other meetings before that's happened between diplomats in America <laughs> and in England and wherever they all might be before they've met. You know, they're, they're, that's not the first time they're sitting down to look at a document that has been put together over ages. When they're smiling and signing it and shaking hands. Yeah, it all got agreed yeah. that day, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, but all that happens <laughs> lower level all over the shop in between countries all over the world yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just all those people doing that are generally immune from prosecution and so are their families and um you know all of their staff which is nuts so did you have any stories about any crimes that were committed and then they managed to claim diplomatic immunity um well the problem is it's not something i don't think that they just is out there is it i'm not sure it's a thing governments are quite happy to talk about necessarily <laughs> so you, know, you search it up and i couldn't there's not many i'd read one about a, a, um the deputy ambassador to the United States from the Republic of Georgia um, killed someone while drink driving. And then the Republic of Georgia waived his immunity. So he ended up going to prison in America, which again, that, you know, that that's very likely another like, yeah, okay. You know, he has done that. We want to stay friends with America. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like America's a more powerful country, isn't it? They've, they've got more, more sway and more, more say in what, what's happening there. Yeah. 
than, than what George yeah. will have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, 100%. But there's, there, there are quite a few of these stories that then like leak out and get get into the press but as you say that they're, they're not shouted about but there there can be some pretty horrendous ones going right down to some some civil things there's there's something which we've, we've sort of touched on but there's there's another train of thought of rather than having the be all and end all of, of diplomatic immunity is having something called functional immunity which is yeah. quite similar but has quite a subtle but very important difference to it and it's that functional immunity protects the diplomat for anything to do with their job and whilst they're at work and it protects that person which is 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 a subtle but a very important difference isn't it yeah well like i was saying about levels of diplomatic immunity you know as you as you come further away from an ambassador you might end up with them saying right actually you can have immunity as long as you are doing your job and at any other time you are not immune and that's essentially what you know that that's a nice thing to have it's not the best of the things you could get you know if you're talking about levels but yeah it would mean something like if you were driving your car for a meeting and you were speeding you would get away with not having to pay that speeding fine or you would not have to pay for that parking ticket but if you were in country at 10 p.m and you were off the clock and you got a parking ticket you're having to pay for that parking ticket. Yeah, or That's even, thing, yeah, yeah. So like, or like, maybe going back to that Julian Assange thing where the people who, as part of their job, they they decided that Julian Assange should be granted asylum at the Ecuadorian embassy. That was part of their job. So even though the UK doesn't like it, they can't prosecute them for it. But as soon as that person left work, if they then, as soon as they left work and they then ran somebody over in their car, they would then automatically just be facing the the laws of that country. So yeah. it's you know anything related to their job, but anything publicly uh, and but anything non-work related, they still get tried as normal people. And it's only for that person for their job and not all of their staff and hanger honors and yeah. everything else. Whereas the ambassador, all the time, all the time, they cannot be in the office and get a parking ticket, and they do not have to pay for it. They can speed, and they do not have to pay for it ever. But that, that's what I mean. People people are saying, well, maybe we should just have functional immunity for everybody. So ambassadors yeah. ones should be reduced down from this yeah, yeah, yeah. being yeah. or being yeah. capable possibility to be in something a lot uh, a lot a lot less all encompassing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um I've got a nicer, not well, <laughs> it's not nicer, but it's certainly not as horrid as uh, as those things. Do you want to know my takeaway? <laughs> yeah, go on. Tell us what- on from there. Tell us your two guys one topic takeaway. It's about parking fines. Okay. In in New York. Well, the problem in New York is because they've got the United Nations, which, by the way, the United Nations building is classed as a giant embassy. Right. So, like, now bearing in mind there's like 180 countries in the United Nations building in New York on the riverfront. They reckon there were over $16 million of unpaid parking tickets. <laughs> <laughs> wow what that's that, mental, is, that is crazy how much is a parking ticket like 30 dollars 16 million of them 16 million dollars worth because they've just got they have to pay it do they like just part of everyone all the time yeah yeah it's absolutely mad it's funny you saying then about parking tickets so my two guys one topic takeaway 
is very, very similar to yours this week. And it's to do with London. So London started a congestion zone and that opened in 2003. And in 2013 in Parliament, they, they announced how many parking tickets and congestion stone congestion zone fines were outstanding and it turned out that in 2013 for the last 10 years there'd been 75 million pounds worth of fines that were still outstanding <laughs> crazy the biggest offenders was the the united states they had 70,000 outstanding fines worth 8 million pounds and then it was japan russia um, and then a few others that that fell after that. But yeah, 75 million quid of people just not caring where they park or the congestion zone. Do what you Mate, want. We, we need to get some diplomatic community somehow. <laughs> just yeah, just well, you know, have enough of paying parking tickets. Anyway, not not actual, I mean actually paying for parking. I don't really get even parking tickets. Interesting. Mate, interesting episode this week. For sure. For sure. I can't believe that it includes civil stuff. Like, I don't know if I've made a big enough deal out of this. Like, they don't have to pay rent. And if they didn't pay their rent, no one's going to chase them because they can't. There's a story about, you know, like, it, you're not sending in the bailiffs. So if you yes. owe rent, you know, imagine you didn't pay your rent, bailiffs would be round. Well, but if you're immune, then there are cases whereby they've sent the bailiffs round to claim rent, but then the home country have got a like police your front door to not let the bailiffs in, even though they know you've done it. But <laughs> yeah. They've got to keep you safe and you're not allowed to, then no one's allowed to, to come into your, your offices or your embassy. It's nuts. Yeah. yeah not, not having to pay tax or speeding fines or parking tickets or like civil stuff. I think that, that really shocked me. Yeah. Massively. It is. Um, I found it super interesting around just where it all came from, which makes so much sense how it originated and oh, how, going back to the Greeks and it'd probably be almost since civilization started and having different um, cities or, you know, parts of a country where you then needed to pass these messages and then yeah. grant them a safe passage. It makes complete sense, but it's then I, I suppose morphed over the years into this. Yeah. Lawlessness that it's now come today, but yeah, I, hopefully, I'm not sure lawless. <laughs> hopefully it's uh, been a topic that you've enjoyed getting into this week, Liam. Yeah, well, um, I can mention next week's topic because next week's topic is listener choice. And uh, I don't know how many of our listeners are following us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Two Guys, One Topic. But what we do each series is we put out, and we, we ask for it all the time, don't we? We put out a, um, a post asking for suggestions. We took our four favourite ones and put them to a vote. And uh, I can tell you the winning vote, um, if you'd like me to. Do you, want, do you want to know what the choices were between? Yeah, go on then. What was, what did it get down to as a top four? Yeah, I can. Okay. So in no particular order, this week's top four that we asked for the vote on was non-alcoholic beer, fireworks, anesthetic, so anesthesia, and lighthouses. Ooh, exciting then. So one of these is one. I actually voted for fireworks, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out that was not enough. Fireworks did not win. Next week's topic is all about anesthetics or anesthesia we haven't worked out what it would be called just yet but it'll be one of them because both mean the same thing interesting um, you know that getting yourself put to sleep that sort of stuff like how does that work what is that Brilliant. uh so so you, you've got i think you've got written down who it was right 
Yeah, so thank you very much to Hannah Leclou. I think that's how you say it, for your suggestion. Uh, yeah, we look forward to covering that next week and hopefully doing the topic justice. Coming back to this week, though, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode all about diplomatic immunity. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have learning all about it and some of the crazy stories that, uh, that they're exempt from. If you have any topic suggestions, we'd love to hear them from you so that we can then add them in for next series. You can get in contact with us on social media at Two Guys One Topic. That's on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Look forward to speaking with you next Tuesday when we'll be covering anaesthetics. Or oh, anesthesia. Get out there and share some diplomatic immunity knowledge.